1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
0: The final full podcast is sponsored by Unibet. Sign up now using code ATR-30
1: to get your welcome offer. Eighteen plus. The
0: Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Welcome along to the Final Furlong Podcast. I'm Emmett Kennedy. As we get ready to review a superb weekend's racing, some very interesting talking points in the company of my good friend and AtTheRaces and Sky Sports Racing pundit, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello! In the Final Furlong Podcast studio, uh, you've just written a new article, which is about the whip. It's a very thought-provoking article and you could read it on attheraces.com essential reading of course i haven't read it yet but i will get there <laughs> i will get there now it's really really good and um it's already gone down a storm as we record at half 8 on a monday evening so the first race we're going to talk about is the Caspian Caviar Gold Cup which was all about Frodon he won this race 2 years ago and there's been a lot of talk about the dynamic between Briny Frost and Frodon and just how well they get on. I think the stats are something like from her last hundred rides, she's only fallen four times. And Ed was saying on on ITV that they're going to make no apologies for highlighting her as much as, as as they do. The reason she gets the attention is because she's a bloody good jockey, and this was another another example of that.
1: Ah, oh, this was super to watch. You know, Frodon is a is a smashing horse. You know, rock solid, and he's put up a real. Uh... Uh, as I heard, I think it was Nick Lux say yesterday a performance that had plenty of swash and and buckle, which I quite liked. And uh, and Bryony, you know, as well as being clearly a very very good rider, um, not to state the obvious and to repeat something that's been said a million times, but she just is an awful lot of fun to listen to talking about racing and talking yeah. about her her horses after the race. And um, and some people take umbrage that she is seemingly given all this attention, but I think it's just a good example. To any young rider coming up, that personality is good, and show be not being afraid to show that personality and enthusiasm um, will only get you on in life. And um, too many of our jockeys and our trainers, I'd say, they're a little bit too they're a little bit too inclined to play it safe and do their best to to say the minimum without offending anyone. Um, I don't think Brian Lee Frost is ever going to offend anyone, but she's certainly not afraid to to speak with a bit of emotion. And to let them the, the internal excitement um, flow freely from her, and it's just it's it's great. It really is. Um, not to lash out the cliche, it's good for the game, but it, it certainly is. If you you could show that post race interview to any sports fan um, that may not have seen any horse race in their life, and I think they'd it, it would engage them. You know, yeah. I think that that's important. But we won't make it all about that. Um, but
0: you have talked though before on the podcast about for younger jockeys coming, coming through that it is important to get their personality out there and there are some who have embraced social media and are very very good at it ironically Bryony is not on social media but when yeah. she talks she does speak from the heart and she does give a great analysis and I thought that the the line she used to Stuart Machen in her post race interview about uh, filling up his lungs again and saying to him now come on Fro come on we gotta get this done we can do this and that that affection that she has for the horse and that bond that she has with them, because she could have been pigeonholed as, oh, it's herself and Black Horton, and they get on really well. But her association with Frodon and everything else that she rides as well. She just does it in in a way that maximizes that horse's potential and effort.
1: It's just great positivity, positivity everywhere. Mm. And, you know, speaking about the horse in that way, it's not something that we see a lot of, which makes it so refreshing in a way. Um, I know I've probably given out on the podcast before that it drives me mad when people... Um, uh, when the humanized horses, but when she does it, it's actually quite fun to listen to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, it is to be it fair. See, it seems in the, it, it, it's it's not in the kind of a ooh coochie coo sort of way. It's a it, it's a very practical. You know, she's expressing it in a very practical way. You know, in terms of getting a breeder into him, in terms of um, you know the way he organizes himself down, coming down to a fence. It, it it makes it all what what I suppose other riders, if they tried to speak about it, they could make it sound a little bit too technical and inaccessible, but when she expresses it, expresses it the way she does, it's very understandable to anyone, you know, no matter what your you're racing knowledge. So um, more of that please. But just just on Frodon, it, it's a really interesting case this, because on on numbers, he's won a really competitive handicap here of 164. And on the numbers that would certainly give you every encouragement that he could go and compete in a Ryanair. Um, but I don't think it's as simple as that Um, you look at his record in grade ones it wouldn't set you alight and for me and I've talked about this a bit on the pod before but we we get seldom few opportunities to see it examined we had a chance to see it here and and we got this result and what it is is basically a couple of seasons ago I did a, a very deep set of analysis on the trends of official ratings in British and Irish national hunt racing and um, i'll dig it up i might stick it back up on twitter again or i might update it but basically there was a notable notable trend for inflation in national hunt ratings at 140 plus um, over hurdles and fences the number of horses rated 140 plus has gone up notably in the last decade Um, and the interesting thing about that is and I, i examined a few different you know Potential reasons why that might have happened none of them really added up the conclusion i came to is that the handicappers have just allowed a bit of um a a bit of inflation to kick in there um not necessarily by design but the interesting thing is that has happened and while that has been happening the number of the the ratings and the number of tip-top horses have actually stayed very steady you know the 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 number so to, to summarize the number of one forty ho- one forty plus horses has gone up massively, but the ratings of the very best horses in training have stayed largely static so what does that tell you the gap between them is being narrowed um artificially it's not a reflection on that gap actually narrowing it's it's a reflection of the handicap and gone, gone a bit askew so the practical application of this if if anyone's still awake <laughs> is that if horses at the upper end of that rating scale such as Frodon with his rating of 164 go and compete in these valuable handicaps they're well in despite the fact that they're top weight and everyone will say oh what a weight carrying performance it'll be if he wins they're well in because the ratings of the of the 140 150 horses have become inflated um to, to an artificially high level so the likes of Frodon and indeed any other highly rated horse that would take their chance in a big handicap chase or big handicap hurdle, they're just well in. They're well in and it's not quite the weight carrying and handicapping performance that, that it might seem on at, at first glance. So I would just be slightly cautious of elevating the likes of Frodon. Um, to you know, grade one class, just because he's going to be rated, you know, one seventy after this. Um, I, I just be cautious.
0: I think he's rating is one sixty-seven. And okay, doesn't this conversation go back to he's now retired, but Phil Smith just enhancing horses' ratings for whatever reason he came up with, because it is something that we've discussed many times on the show.
1: Now, to, to be fair, when I did the analysis, this this is an Irish phenomenon as well. This has happened across the board. Okay um you know we have the anglo irish classifications at the end of every season and that's where i would have drawn my data from and um it, it's across the board so why is this happening i don't know i don't know um the, it is it is a phenomenon in handicapping that um that does tend to need correction at times we see it uh, on the on the flat in ireland you know at the end of the season they've slightly changed the way they do it now they do it at, at a number of points during the year but in the past they would have just dropped everything by x number of pounds at the end of the season um, to to re, uh, recalibrate the whole system, if you will, that doesn't happen, um, in the national hunt sphere. And like the evidence is pretty damning now. When you look at the num, the full set of numbers in front of you, I don't think anyone could deny that this has happened based on the evidence. It, yeah. it, it's very very clear. And it's just something to bear in mind. You know, I've I've talked about this. S- some listeners might remember in the context of the Grand National, pretty much every year for the last four or five years that, um, these old. Trends that we had that you you know you, you couldn't win the Grand National carrying 11 stone you know you don't hear people talking about that anymore because it's it's gone out the window mm. and um, I think top weights winning these big handicaps is, is going to become more and more of a thing if more of the big trainers come around to what's happened and they start running their 165 plus horses in the likes of you know the Hennessy and races like that I think they clean them up I really do um, I think it there's a notable edge to be had there for those that are willing to to go against. I suppose the the common wisdom of oh, you'll you know you you can't throw you can't carry top weight in the Hennessy, you can't carry top weight in the Grand National. Um, I think it's I think that's gone.
0: I think it's it's, it's putting the likes of Norval and his stats work out of business. Yeah,
1: yeah. Th- those you won't hear those um stats being talked of. But it does um,
0: mean that as betters, we need to adapt then and, and rethink when we're looking at these races and not fear of top weight. And yeah, 100%. Frodo was 7-1 to one at the weekend, and a lot of bookmakers were paying six places each way. And you couldn't knock them out of the frame with a malice, really. So from an each way perspective, you were doing really well. But if you have gone and backed them, I didn't. But if, if you have, you've you've done very
1: nicely yeah it's just something worth considering in those big handicaps and like it do, this doesn't happen every day we mm. don't we don't have a real massive sample of 165 plus horses that, that run in these big handicaps so to to really examine this and then go at it scientifically if you will but uh i i've seen enough data on this to to really believe that it's a thing and um it's definitely something worth bearing in mind
0: i'm also delighted that you refer to it as the hennessy good man oh, Blake. i did not did good I. man no. kevin not just once no. but about four times no. fantastic simon clare is going to be on to you in the morning
1: Apolo- apologies to ladbrooks and so- thanks for your sponsorship
0: <laughs> <laughs> the ladbrooks hennessy i'm telling you rename it that the ladbrooks hennessy so the rating the Frodon currently has is 167 min is on 163 native <sighs> river 165 road to respect 168 under 169 alongside Bristol de May who has the same rating and then Altior is 175 so
1: j ju- So Unde-so is only rated two pounds higher than Froda
0: yeah okay isn't that ridiculous yeah it really well, is. Well
1: look, it, it is what it is. He's earned that rating Frodan to be fair. But well, uh, but my my, my, say, my, my my view would be I just wouldn't expect him to to just be a two pound worse off horse than on the so if they're meeting in level weights off uh, in in a grade one.
0: Yeah, if they run over two mile four in a grade one, Undersow thrashes him.
1: Undersow's trees on, isn't he?
0: It has to be. He has to be. So and to be fair, that was one of the performances of the season so far. I was blown away oh, by
1: fabulous. it and look I'm not throwing stones at Frodo. Yeah, fabulous horse brilliant performance from horse and rider Um, so I, I've probably come across as being quite negative it's, not, uh, I think, it's I nothing think to do with Frodo we or, probably or, both or, have or throwing stones at him it's just that making a, a broad It's get, this result gives an opportunity to make a broader point about the, the handicapping system in, in British and Irish national hunt racing and it's, um, take nothing away from Frodo no. smashing horse and it, it probably is just
0: worth mentioning the fact that this horse is now going to be trained they're going to work backwards to the Ryanair and so inevitably when you go through the trends analysis like Norval would this race would be an ideal stepping stone to the Ryanair but that's all changed recently because graded horses like Min are going to be there um handicaps maybe not so much out of the question him with your analysis uh, what kind of a chance would you give him in the Ryanair? Now that we know Paul Nichols is going to train him differently,
1: uh, well, look, he's going to be he's going to be on the scene, isn't he? To be fair, too, and he'll just be vulnerable to to a proper Grade One horse. Hmm. Um, and I say that with, with the utmost respect. But I, I, would be, you you know, he it's not like he hasn't had goals in Grade Ones. You know, he he ran in the Ryanair last year. He was you know not far off tail off. Fell out, fell at the back of the telly. Um and you know it's been the case that when he's running grade ones before, um he's come up well short. So, you know has he has he turned inside out this season? Maybe he has, but for me, um being the, the pessimist, I'll be waiting for him to to go and prove himself before I I believe he can do it. Is
0: it possible he's just better at this time of year?
1: I don't know. It's always a possibility, but. Uh wouldn't be jumping up and down about that yeah
0: (laughs) so paul announcing that they are going to train him for the Ryanair and work backwards from there that means i presume they'll be doing the same thing as they did with Politologue last year as in letting him down and then trying to peak him for cheltenham and um, paul nichols has really bounced back in a big way this season too we'll talk about some of his other horses later on uh in terms of eye catchers God, Mr. Medic made a terrible mistake. Yeah, he was running well, wasn't he? He was running the super race. I don't think he'd have beaten Frodon because Frodon was so emphatic, but he was traveling really well and that mistake, God, the jockey did well to stay on him.
1: Yeah, I, I suspect he would have been in the mix. Yeah. Yeah, so there we go.
0: He's one to keep on mind and uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how things progress with Frodon. Sounds as though one to oppose next time out in the sense that he may very well need the run but it'll be interesting to see if he can do it at Cheltenham. Um, The Unibet International Hurdle or what should be known as the Unibet Beulah Hurdle was won by Brainpower. And this is a pretty interesting story because Michael Buckley said, I don't want to go chasing with this horse anymore. I want him to go over hurdles. It was his decision. Uh, Nicky reluctantly did so and he's done it and he's done it quite well. So we will obviously talk about uh, a big story in the race, but Somerville Boy has been very disappointing. Western Rider has gone off favourite. And Brain Power has done it pretty strongly.
1: Yeah, look, and I, again, I don't want to be down on winners, but you're know, not a strong addition of this race, you'd have to say. Um, great. I, I was listening to Michael Buckley speak about this horse. You know, he, he's great value, Michael Buckley. Mm. Um, speaks very well, entertaining. And um, look, the, the, this, this... This horse bounced back to form. You know, he, he never looked like a horse that was deeply in love with chasing. Um, he's he's been given his chance back over the smaller obstacles, and he's gone and done it. Um, Silver Streak has probably run close to form. He's a one fifty horse. You know, so that kind of kind of tells you where you are here in terms of I was hoping this race might produce something that you know would you be hopeful might not quite a, a contender for the champion hurdle but something that might be in the mix a little bit whereas this fella I suppose look he ran in the champion hurdle last season and he was well beaten um, sorry not last season the season before mm. uh, and
0: yeah look, he, he finished second in an Arkle, but in an Arkle that fell apart
1: yeah yeah and look this, this race you know Somerville boy didn't even go off favourite and um, ran very poorly
0: what is going on there
1: um, I don't know he doesn't look the same horse this season for whatever reason um, hopefully he can get back on track but his two runs this season now have been very meh very meh for a horse that you know all indications after that Supreme Novices were, was that he could be one that could make the transition to open company and he, he, he's patently failed now twice so pressure's on with Somerville boy
0: he was really struggling in this race and I know I said after the fighting fifth in our review of that that Tom George is a genius at bringing sources horses along and that I wouldn't be overly concerned about the fighting fifth de- defeat that he'll be bringing him along to peak for Cheltenham. But you need to see something. And that was awful. No,
1: no. Very difficult to take positives from mm. that. And uh, yeah, jury's out in a big way. And geez, the absolute dearth of champion hurdle horses in Britain is something else. It's but, you know, quite frightening, isn't with it? With the obvious exception um, of Bouvardaire. It, it's. Ooh. Over there is going to be six hundred to one on and it's in his two in the Christmas hurdle and uh, and the contenders hurdle unless Willie sends something over that could trouble them. But yeah. Well that
0: that's the 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 big story, the big talking point is that the horse who probably could have given them all a big race didn't line up in Lorena.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I can't wait to see her out now, but it, 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 the clock is ticking. Yeah. Clock is ticking.
0: And Sam Crow's not going to go to Ascot. He's going to go for the Reiner Hurdle at Christmas instead, which will be interesting because he won't have it all his own way there. That'll be a much deeper race. So we'll see how all that plays out. Uh, this also led to the retirement of the new one. He was pulled up. Um, we've had our fun with the new one over the years. Uh, I believe that when we did our season preview, you said, this is his season, lads. <laughs> this is his year, which we've joked about for the last couple of seasons. To be fair, uh, as much as we've had our fun with him he he was an absolutely top class horse in grade two company he was deadly
1: ah look he's brilliant he's a millionaire you yeah. know there's not many horses can do that um hugely important in the the career of sam um nigel i'm sure will look back at him very fondly at the end of his career whenever that is I and mean, he hasn't had many better than him um certainly over hurdles and look just a great horse you know i think you his biggest fans will probably look back on that champion hurdle everyone knows the one I'm talking about oh. um, where it was a case of what might have been um, I suppose the fullness of time suggests that he, he mightn't have won an away but it was it was very unfortunate what happened and of course I'm talking about 2014 where he got badly hampered quite early on and, and finished off the race quite well to finish third the Jezgy um, just he the, fell in in the entry Hurdle then after that, so I, I don't buy that. I think neither
0: of us bought, bought that argument about the Champion Hurdle. Uh,
1: no, uh, but look, regardless, he's been a super horse. He's, yeah. da- he's danced every dance for a long time. He very rarely f- failed to produce his form. Um, you know, it won't go down as one well of the greats, but a fabulous, fabulous horse. And um, a real credit to everyone involved with him.
0: Six seasons, we've enjoyed his company. And uh, good old Tent has retired yeah as well.
1: yeah, no, no, again another one that fits into a similar bracket one of the one of the better ones we've seen in, in recent times not to win a champion hurdle if you will and um, i suppose people forget but i mean. I was just looking back on his form again the other day and you forget that like he missed how long was it a year and a half I think uh, was, yeah, uh, yeah uh,
0: when he made his day w- seasonary appearance against any power in the champion when he was might second.
1: have been even the, the better part of two years you know of his prime Mm he missed I'm just going to get the exact numbers here. 703 days God. of his prime
0: and he still managed to finish second in that champion yeah hurdle.
1: and to be fair too when he came back and he probably wasn't that, probably wasn't ever back to his very very best but wasn't far off it and you know was obviously good enough to go and finish second in a couple of champion hurdles and many other great ones and to win as he did last year in, in the race we just spoke about the international hurdle was fabulous you know beating a new one I think I'd say Barry Garrett. He got a, got a big kick out of that, and um, a credit to Nicky as well because he he got him back. And I know we we we've slagged the old Tent, um, over the years as well, but um, it's been from a place of love, and he he's been a he's been another wonderful horse.
0: I he really has been my old boy, and I <laughs> I I, I Don't genu do it. I genuinely appreciate you saying that because you know <laughs> he would have won the champion if it wasn't for for us. You know, had we not. Transition Bouvedere to the i i mean we we robbed him of his champion we you know we did that, but um yeah, fabulous and he'll go off to Martin's turn now, and we'll be having brandies and celebrating them <laughs> and uh, absolutely superb, but uh brain power's coming through, and is still there, but oh uh, tent he'll
1: always have a special place in my heart, yeah. Um, happy retirement to the two of those super horses
0: yeah i think the point you made about sam tristan davis as well is an important one because when he took the paul nichols job one of the the aspects of that one of the, the stipulations was but i keep the ride on the new one and i think there was only once he got off him i think it was the christmas hurdle he didn't ride him um so yeah hugely important horse for him um it's a desert horse who Rock Point in the Thistlecrack Colours. Uh, one for Colin Tissard under Tom Scudamore in the uh, Albert Bartlett Novices Hurdle. Um, the Great Two, the Potato Race. And he looks like a horse who will be very well suited to the Potato Race come Cheltenham because you need to stay, you need to be tough. And that's exactly what this horse is.
1: Yeah, to be fair to him, um, you'd have to say... Uh, not to, want to sound negative in every race we talk about, but not the... <laughs> didn't appeal as being a vintage grade two novice hurdle by any means i suspect he'll need to bring his form forward um to get seriously involved in the, the the proper potato race but he looks to have the attributes you need for that contest and i'm sure his connections will very much aim him at it and look to peak him there on the day
0: another big win for paul nichols with harry cobden on board came at doncaster on at the races in the summit juvenile hurdle uh, Quell Destin. He somehow managed to get up. He was being pushed along from two out, but he gets there to beat Elise, trained by Alan King. Uh, Oi, the Club Boys is one of the more interesting names. I can't wait for Tommo to commentate on him. <laughs> Oi, the Oi, the Club Boys. Photo. <laughs> uh a terrible
1: Tommo. Jesus.
0: <laughs> it's a photo. And in this hotel room, there's something that you won't find in any other hotel. Oh God. Yeah. Uh Quildestin looks an exciting prospect, and the, the thing about him is that it's typical of Paul Nichols. He hasn't been afraid to run him. He's just he's had plenty of runs in France and he's had plenty of runs for Paul so far.
1: Yeah, he made hard enough work of this now, because mm. Elise I thought least Elise ran a stormer now. I thought he was going to he was going to get the job done there from two out. He battled away gamely to be fair to him. And every time he needed a good jump he produced one. It was a, a very, very game performance from him. He he could make up into a Fred Winter type of horse maybe um, but Kel, Kel Destin, um, if you will was good and hardy it just took him a while to to master the runner up now and to, to do what he needed to do Um, I'd say I'd say his connections might have been hoping for some a bit more flash perhaps And look, maybe he'll get there you know he's had he had a bit more experience over hurdles than the runner up but um, what's to say he can't come forward again from this
0: do you think the
1: stiffer track at Cheltenham would bring out more from him yeah I'd say that would be a help to him for sure absolutely and, you know based on what he's done so far like it, it, he's probably more of a Fred Winter candidate at the minute I know um, yeah I, I, being, being being real about it yeah, that's probably more him at the minute I'm sure he'll be given the opportunity to bring his form forward in the meantime but right now he'd be in that bracket I think in 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 a juvenile hurdle division that has very much uh, yet to be set alight.
0: And it's also worth remembering that we don't always see the triumph winner until the Adonis. It can be quite late in the season until we see these horses and uh, there'll be plenty of ex-flat horses and plenty of french horses who have come over that we don't know about yet so it's very very muddy picture so far
1: yeah i think christmas time will tell us an awful lot in that division
0: yeah we learn an awful lot more around that time uh, there's the big race in chepstow and there's big races in leopardstown as well breaking news kevin blake Campiador wins he actually stays <laughs> up and wins uh, keith dunahoo was on the carousel ride uh, let me just briefly take you through: fourth fell, fell, win, fourth, third fell. Wins at the weekend.
1: He was good. He was good. And look, Keith Donahue who we, we've talked about him before, he was a big part of the the Tiger Roll story. And he's, Huge, just a, yeah. he's just a great story, full stop. He's a guy that really struggled with his weight in the past and uh, fought through it. You know, big. He was getting big support from Gordon Elliott, and um, he's he was entrusted with this ride, which I can't imagine. He wouldn't have had loads of people sticking their hand up for her, but he's gone and done it and the horses jump well the you know he's a horse that's all always it's been clear has had loads of talent and hopefully he'll go forward from this in the right way um because you know on, on this like he he can go and compete in graded company for sure he just needs to keep it together and that was the, like the chat was before his his chasing debut that is his you know his jumping had been very good they were very happy with him um and he just has, seems to have concentration issues. But fair play to Keith. Um, we'll see if he keeps the ride going forward. Um, but hopefully whoever is on him just hopefully the horse just keeps his head right and does the right thing because he's he's um he's Jesus, there hasn't been many. I suppose it's probably a bit. Unreasonable to call him unlucky because he's been a master of his own uh, downfall kept in a way. Falling, just yeah, keeps falling. Like you can't. Uh, it's not like he's been brought down. If but. you've
0: done it once or twice, you could say that. But when you do it like five times, conservatively, like no, you have to say that there's a fundamental flaw there. But it's remarkable that he was doing that over hurdles, and yet he goes over fences
1: and seems to ping them. Well, you know the. He didn't ping the second fence on his (laughs) his chase debut. (laughs) But ah, look, hopefully this this is a watershed moment for Campiador.
0: Yeah, Um, maybe he respects fences more. So that was J.P. McManus' silks in the winner's enclosure. J.P. McManus' silks, though, were uh, very much the focal point of controversy. I like the way you're thinking was a horse that had many people not liking the way they were thinking after his ride under mark walsh in the 225 and what's quite surprising about it is first of all there wasn't a stewards inquiry but the regulatory board chief executive dennis egan says he agrees with that decision of the stewards to take no action what you're a brilliant race reader what is and i'm not just saying that what is your reaction to that performance
1: ah look my my view on it is the same as pretty much everyone i saw comment on it you you don't need to have a phd in race reading to to have legitimate questions about this performance um the the ihrb just just failed in their duty here really and they're there to protect the integrity of racing. I'm not saying that the the horse and, and horse and rider should have got done, but it's just ridiculous that there wasn't an inquiry held. You know, this was a seven to two favourite. Um very eye catching performance. And you simply have to ask questions. You simply have to hold an inquiry and to to not do so What was was ridiculous really. Um Dennis Egan has come out and defended the, the decision ...not to hold an inquiry since... ...and that's just as ridiculous in, in my opinion... Um, ...and look... ...this is... ...I'll revisit this... ...I, I was going to write about this... Um, ...today... ...but I went with the with the article I did... I'll, ...I'll come back to this I suspect next week... ...unless something mad has happened in the meantime... ...but you know when... ...God when was it... ...it was uh, the bones of a year and a half ago now... ...was it that the... ...IH or the Turf Club as it were then... ...introduced... The new non-trier rules in Ireland—they were billed as the most comprehensive um, non-trier rules anywhere in the racing world—and we were promised, you know, a new dawn in Irish racing integrity. And um, after an initial upsurge in inquiries and um, and rulings uh, on the non-trier rule, um, it's just gone back to where we were. There's just not—and there's just a gross amount of inaction. Um, I'm not saying they should be doing horses and, and riders left, right and centre, but they need to be asking questions. They're not doing their job. Uh, anyone that watches Irish racing closely and can read a race would pick out any number of performances in any given day that warrant questioning. Um, like I say, they don't have to be doing people left and right, but their job is to protect the integrity of the sport. And when a fav catches the eye in this in, in this sort of style, um, they have to ask questions um, even if they come in and uh, Mark Walsh will give his evidence Gavin Cromwell will give his his evidence they may well find that um, no offence had taken place but at least it's all on the record and anyone that had any concerns about the ride can go on to the IHRB website read the report and uh, they can draw their own conclusions but at least the evidence is there in front of them and to not do that is it's just it, it, it's it, it's very frustrating um, I love Irish racing but stewarding like this is very, very difficult to defend. If you showed the video of that race to someone in uh, in Hong Kong and told them that the ride didn't even attract an inquiry, um, they, they'd be re- they'd be reckoning it was April Fool's Day. I'd say it's it, it's 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 not just disappointing; it's a bit embarrassing, really. Mm. You know, Irish racing has has an image problem, and um, we see the way you know some English racing fans. Uh, comments about Irish racing on social media and what have you and stuff like this just doesn't help it just doesn't help and it's frustrating it's disappointing and it's embarrassing that was the exact point I was going to make to you the amount of tweets that
0: you see from people saying Irish racing I'm not even going to give examples of what they say but there there are a number of tweets a considerable number of tweets from various different people who criticize our sport to quote Mick O'Leary uh, we have the best racing in the world. We have, we definitely have the world's best trainer in Aidan O'Brien. We have one of the best national hunt trainers in Willie Mullins and in, in Gordon Elliott. We have inc- Jessica Harrington. We have incredible talent across this country and brilliant jockeys as well. The best breeding industry too. This isn't good enough. It simply isn't good enough. And you're right, there is an image problem. And when they don't take action like this, it's extremely disappointing and it just gives more ammo to the people who want to criticise our sport
1: yeah look you you see the ones that do get done and they're they're pulling in 50 to 1 shots that that are probably just useless and um, for running and riding inquiries and yet they don't even ask a question for a 7 to 2 fav you know one that there would have been an awful lot of money placed on all around the, the, the racing and betting world and um, it catches the eye like that, and um, you know Dennis Egan said, "Oh, he wouldn't have won anyway." You know, th- th- I, I fundamentally disagree with that on a number of levels. But this was a sixteen-runner handicap, and he's just been touched off for fourth. You know, this is even if it doesn't matter if he's going to win or not. Did he attain the best possible placing? Was no. he given the opportunity to no. and, uh, attain the best possible placing? Uh, he hasn't. Been, like you have to ask questions. You you have to you have to bring Mark and Mark Walsh would have been the last man to complain. I'd imagine if he'd been brought in and asked questions about this ride like i say i'm not saying that they should have taken action it's a difficult thing to to talk about when they haven't even called an inquiry but it was a ride that definitely warranted questions and they weren't asked and that as repeating myself now disappointing frustrating and embarrassing is
0: this a case of that they can use the excuse of the mistake at the third last and stand over that
1: it doesn't matter they should have asked the question to in the inquiry yeah they, 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 they have, they've he, obviously discus- why has he not
0: been pushed no, into the race they've
1: discussed it amongst themselves they, they've taken the view that the mistake the third last put him on the back foot um, but you know conduct that publicly you know, put that on the record. They they could come in, ask Mark Walsh's opinion, ask Gavin Cromwell their opinion, and still come to the same conclusion that they had in private that um, it, it didn't warrant any notable attention. But you put it on the record. Hmm. You put it on the record because because not by not asking the questions, it just leaves the whole thing open to to speculation, to um, to to all sorts of chit chat. You know, if you if you put the thing on the record, at least show that you're that you're watching with open eyes. Uh, and uh, because I really don't understand how, how a competent race reader could look at this and, and think that's tickety-boo. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think if the
0: result was reversed and it was Tony Martin's horse who ended up winning the race, Clementina and Young O'Connell and that they were the ones who were in the I'd like the way you're thinking position, I would be fairly certain they would be called in?
1: Possibly so. Possibly so. Is, so. is
0: this just, it's a big name, we're not going to do anything? Mm. Is there a problem like that in Irish racing? Uh,
1: it, like Look, there's been some very high-profile cases with, with horses owned by J.P. McManus, the Nobel Emperor, um, I suppose the one that, that comes to mind. Um, look, I, the, what I find with Irish racing is it depends who the, the, the stipendary steward is. And some seem more willing to come down and stuff like this and question it than others. Um and look, and I've sat in the steward's rooms. Um I've 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 been allowed in there to to watch what goes on, what have you, and um what I concluded after all that is that you know, while the likes of me would be demanding that there be much more activity from the stewards in terms of uh, calling inquiries and being more questioning, you know, I would acknowledge that they are very busy in there. There's an awful lot of things that stewards have to do in terms of the, the day-to-day running of what's going on at a race meeting, which is why I've long been in favour of this sort of thing, being being subcontracted out to, to a centralised panel of stewards that that look at nothing but this type of thing. And they they have the, the, that's all they're doing they're dealing with running and riding and let the stewards the voluntary stewards on the day deal with all the the functions that they that they have to do to run the race meeting and allow a separate panel of people to look at running and riding and simply use the stewards on track as as a means to collect evidence and let them sort it out in in their own time then um away from the track
0: so your proposal would be if it's the UK London if it's if it's Ireland Dublin that there is a group of stewards a group of expert race readers who are away from the track but with the modern technology that we have and with video link connections
1: yeah they don't need to be there yeah. they
0: can make that decision
1: yeah they've all, they, they have all the angles pumped in in front of them uh, and you
0: can bring in a jockey and talk to him through FaceTime or Skype can, exactly you can still do if that you, the, if, you, if you need
1: to do that you can do that I, I just think I just think the job would be done a lot better that way um, and wh- whenever I propose that what of the counters has been, well, you know, if, if you have, we we'll say that the thought would be that you have a, um, a pool of a dozen such stewards, we'd say, and mm. you select a panel of three or four every day. And the thought is that, well, if, if, if there's not enough changing in the, in the stewards, what if two of them um, hate Kevin Blake uh, or, you know, a more relevant example, hate Barry Garrity, we we'll say, for example, and they're all of a sudden picking on Barry Garrity. And they could they could exert an, an inordinate amount of influence in in that role, but um I think you have to give people more credit than that. I would agree with that. Um, I can see where the fears might come from, but I think in, in real terms, I, I don't think it would be an issue. And I think if we're to take stewarding in Irish racing um into this century, because we're we're running a fair way behind at the minute, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, that would be the way to do it, and um, because right now we we're promised that... We were promised a brave new dawn, and I stewarding with this new rule, um, a very lengthy and, and permissive rule, um, and it's all about. It wasn't about whether you were trying or not; it was whether you were seen to be trying or not. You know, it was much more. Uh, it gave the stewards much more power um, it, 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 to do what they needed to do to regulate the sport. And despite an, an initial flurry, unfortunately at the time, there was plenty of cynical reaction saying, "Yeah, you wait and see." there'll there'll be a rush of activity early on and then we'll soon be back to where we were and uh, unfortunately that seems to be what's happened Mm. it's extremely disappointing that that was handled that way Um,
0: but if you are a long time listener to the final Furlong podcast I think it's safe to say that that particular ride would feature in our old interesting ride of the week that's one for old school fans there Big time, <laughs> big time Right Kevin, uh, you've done it to me a few times So it is uh, it's your turn Here we go I've got some pie for you right here I think you'll find this is Humble pie, Mr Blake Have a look at that How does that taste? Sour Easy game <laughs> Easy game Go on you good thing uh ruby walsh willie mullins teaming up yet again this was terrific um he was in trouble he was in trouble uh the head-on footage from hri is fascinating to watch and uh you didn't think he'd be able to to kick on but kick on he has and uh, a gray two landed and maybe it's time we start looking at quick grab them an easy game and taking them very very seriously
1: yeah look this this was a good performance um, a step in the right direction for sure definitely a, a career best um, I just, this was a bit of slightly funny race I don't think they went very quick here um, they're all in the bunch easy game was was fortunate not to be put, put through one of those um, one of those the I don't know what the it's not a wing obviously but one of those protruding bits of rails to protect the ground on the inside um, having had to swerve to, to avoid a horse that made a mistake in front of him and got the gaps when he needed them, and and was ultimately well on top. To be fair to him, uh, yeah. This I just don't know about the form of this race. Uh, Magnium has has run disappointingly. Um, rhinestone has found himself in a bit of trouble at the third and second last. Probably not good enough on the day. It must be said as well.
0: I think we should talk about him in more detail towards the end because he's a fascinating horse. But but kick on.
1: Yeah, but easy game. Loads of experience. Um, good hardy horse I still wouldn't be full of enthusiasm now as a as a potential grade one winner if I'm honest but um, to be fair to him he's done the job here he's taken the step forward that he needed to and um, yeah they, they can kick on to a grade one now at Christmas perhaps Um, or, or sh- sh- sorry I should say probably the, the Lawler's Hotel Hurdle at Nace the grade uh, in, one in early January that'll probably be the one for him and uh, that's shaping up to be quite a nice race I think and, yeah. and good luck to him
0: that's been a very important change that that's a great one that's that's provided some very interesting horses um can i make this point to you eight of the last 10 winners of this race have been trained by either willie mullins or gordon elliott and the list is as follows boston bob pont alexander briar hill no more heroes bells hill gold cup winner 2019 (laughs) death duty next destination and now easy game and the point is that Gordon and Willie tend to run good horses in this race.
1: It's all different, though. I, th- I don't think uh, analysis like that is really applicable this season because there's so many good horses that have been held up. I think it, most of the good horses in the country are probably at one start or maybe two starts behind where they'd normally be. And um, yeah, I just, I, I just can't. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but I just can't help but think that and this form and and indeed the form of some of the other big novice hurdles we've seen in recent weeks and by the time we get to february um the likes of this form now will will be well down the pecking order
0: 20 to 1 for the ballymore novices hurdle at the cheltenham festival and i've backed him (laughs) and you should too and when he comes around that bend Uh and climbs up that hill in unison we'll all go easy game (laughs) By the way, the Final Furlong Podcast winners, uh, I've talked to the supplier and your mugs will be on the way to you soon. We'll sort out the addresses and everything. And the mugs include, Kevin's got one in front of him. Uh, it includes the quote, easy game from me on the top. And Kevin's up and down the lines on the bottom uh, between the Final Furlong Podcast logo. So congratulations to the winners. Stay tuned, by the way, because I'll have details of a massive competition. And I'm talking huge Competition coming up. Um, speaking of maiden hurdlers, Kev, Battle Over Doyen costs just the £235,000 sterling.
1: Kennedy loves an expensive horse. Oh, I
0: love an expensive <laughs> horse. So he won his point to point, was off the track for 592 days, was an easy winner of his bumper under lisa O'Neill, and was even more uh, impressive here under Jack Kennedy winning his maiden hurdle. 13 lengths he's won by.
1: Yeah, he was good here, um, visually impressive. Um, jumped well in the main, a little bit out to his right in places, but nothing too concerning. And I suppose it was the style in which he quickened away from the third last that would have caught many, many people's eyes. And it really did catch people's eyes. Now I, I didn't I couldn't watch this race live, so I saw the I saw the social media reaction before I saw the race and geez, there was people going nuts, wasn't there? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people love this. There may have been a few pre-written tweets there. (laughs) And Johnny Ward, who now wouldn't be known for getting excited about horses. He got very excited.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Johnny's a great friend of ours, but Johnny would not be known for getting excited. He's still in mourning over Sam Crow. Remember what he was saying about
1: Sam Crow on the podcast last season? My God. Yeah, I I give Johnny stick for getting getting a bit (laughs) overexcited. Oh, wait
0: till the Cheltenham preview circuit kicks off again. The
1: preview nights, he'll be going bonkers. Um but no he he was very good, very likable. Um he would potentially be one for that, that same race at NACE. Um
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, do you think a step up and trip would suit him?
1: I'd imagine so. I'd imagine so. He didn't didn't look slow here now by any means. Mm. Um I wouldn't be upset at all if he if he stuck to two, but with his overall profile, I could see why they might they might stretch him out a bit and I You'd note that after this they did mention that race in Nace specifically, so the timings of it will work out well. You know, Christmas is close at hand now, so it'd be a bit much to ask perhaps to, to get him. Uh, they didn't even give him an entry for the for the grade one of Christmas, so um yeah. Nace. Nace just makes sense. Where he'll clash with easy game,
0: potentially. Uh the other very expensive horse that ran on the card was in the bumper. Uh more humble pie for you, cause you didn't think this horse was gonna run. I did,
1: (laughs) Kevin Blake. He said if he ran, he'd bolt up, but I didn't think he'd
0: run. I'd be be asking a bit much of him now, only two weeks ago. There's another slice of that humble pie for you, Kev. Get stuck in. Uh, 400,000 pounds sterling, which is what? 100,000 euro now? Um, This was much better under Jamie Codd. It took him a while to get the hang of things on his debut, but this... Was a comfortable success.
1: Yeah, it was. I thought he had a race on. Now, kind of two and a half furlongs out, midnight run, travel up well behind them. Um, but as was the case at Fairy House, he was very strong in the final furlong and ultimately won very well. He's just a lovely horse. He, he's a different type, I'd say, to um, to their other one that what's his name, Malone Road. Mm. That that's on the easy list at the minute. He he seems a, a kind of a bigger raw more raw type of horse.
0: Malone Road is a much more flashier horse. Isn't yeah,
1: it? yeah that, that'd be the way I'd see it. I think Envoy Allen, they might just have one more run with him this season and then put him away. Um, I, you'd have to be super excited with him. You know, he's he's a he's a lovely, lovely horse, and um, you'd have to be delighted with Midnight Run as well. To be fair, he's run a, a super race in behind him and brought himself forward, but this was all about Envoy Allen. And uh, Allah Allen, who knows? Allah. And yeah, look, I think we we won't really get a good look at him until next season and probably the season after that even I'd imagine Gordon will mind him but yeah you'd be, you can't wait to see him jump a, jump a, an obstacle and see how he fares there yeah
0: so he is a point to point winner and um, in terms of his pedigree he's got French cross country form there
1: yeah his mammy was a cross country horse yeah <laughs>
0: So he should be capable of staying, but he doesn't lack speed either. I'll it's tell you just,
1: what, did you see his pedigree? Yeah. Riddle with it's, cross-country horses. He, he <laughs> is. His dam is a half-sister to Overnya. Overnya. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, is there a danger that he
0: could end up becoming... What was the Paul Nichols horse that switched to...
1: and Petra. Garcian
0: Petra. <laughs> for an absolute fortune to JP and went to went to John Joe. Well, then. He,
1: well his dam was a cross-country winner. his <laughs> his granddad was a cross-country winner oh lord Gordy what have you bought this is this get is him, get the horse o- get him over the banks quick get
0: him over the banks this 400,000 pound purchase is going to be dominating the cross-country scene once Tiger Roll he's the new risk of steps thunder aside. yes he is the new risk of thunder can we get Sean Connery involved
1: oh,
0: oh. I'm a proud no. proud Russian dasvidanya comrade Still, I'm gonna rewatch Hunt for Red October when we have a bit of time oh, over man. Christmas. What a fantastic film! I'm really excited about him. Do you think he'll run in the Champion Bumper? No,
1: no chance, say. Yeah. No chance. Yeah, he's he's
0: just, he's a jumping prospect. Yeah, full stop. Um, right uh, on Tuesday, on at the races, we are going to see Barrington Court, who was very impressive, take on the Cheltenham Champion Bumper winner Relegate, and Barrington Court has now been transferred to the ownership of J.P. McManus for a gazillion I think was the uh, figure uh, considerable <laughs> amounts of money uh, being being paid for that horse relegate obviously famously beaten at odds of nine to four on on debut but you would expect better from her now
1: now you'd hope so you know mayors it wouldn't be it wouldn't be unheard of for a mayor to take a huge step forward from their from their first start over hurdles to their second and um, will need to barrington court has looked a lovely horse and um yeah that, that that would light us up uh, of a tuesday afternoon won't it absolutely
0: yeah if you can't see it just set the skybox to record and, and your horse face the facts is in the first go on face the facts here he comes he's really exciting he's awesome very 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 excited about it. and uh if you haven't listened to the graeme wiley and surprise guest jeremy kyle interview on the final furlong podcast then i strongly advise you to listen to it um graeme's in top form as is Jeremy and uh he's someone who definitely knows his form and is a huge racing fan, but um worth listening to because there's a couple of horses there that they mentioned that are very much ones to be watching out for and face the facts is even money overnight to make a winning debut over hurdles and I think he will. I think he'll do it. Um and thanks for the kind words about that podcast as well, by the way. I really enjoyed doing it. Had no idea that Jeremy Kyle was gonna be there. I didn't even realise the two lads are friends, but it was a, a lot of fun. Um, so a story broke tonight kevin uh, in the guardian written by rob davis that ladbrooks as the headline says in the guardian Ladbrooks wooed problem gambler and then paid victims a million pounds so to sum this up uh ladbrooks append- event seems to have agreed to have paid a million pounds to victims of a problem gambler who had stolen money that he was using to bet in return for a pledge not to inform the industry regulator, Ladbrooks showered the gambling addict with thousands of pounds worth of gifts over two years, including free tickets to football and business class flights. A British citizen, the gambler who ran a property business in Dubai, admitted to having stolen from his clients in order to fund his high roller habit, which had cost him up to £60,000 in a day. Five victims made a complaint against Ladbrooks for allegedly accepting stolen funds and the bookmaker agreed to pay a combined sum of £975,000. The Guardian have seen a lot of uh, information on this. They've got a lot of evidence on this. This has to go to the Gambling Commission. But there's three sides to every story. There's Labrick's side, there's his side, and there's the truth. From a perception point of view, Kev, this just looks awful.
1: Uh, and what the evidence we've we've heard of—that's uh, just shocking. There, there's no way to to dress it up now, and um, they would have a lot to answer for, I'd imagine, if, if the evidence we've seen is, is right and correct. Uh, it, it's sickening stuff, really. But it's unfortunately, um, it's not something that would surprise any of us that kind of have followed uh, the, the the whole bookmaking landscape for a few years now. You know you you recall the Tony the 10 case what have you and that's just that sort of stuff is that was the is, postman wasn't it yeah it's just shocking stuff same sort of thing now clearly a fellow with a big issue betting wildly beyond his means and yet was um, treated like a VIP and brought off here and brought off there and given this bonus and that bonus and it's just sickening stuff really but um, par for the course in that sector unfortunately but hopefully not um, going forward it seems to be that the, the the, the whole industry has been shaken up a bit now and the the the, regu- the regulators are starting to wake up a small bit and the, they might get the the how the houses in order. Um, I'm long long overdue. I'm really
0: disappointed this has happened because and I highlighted it on the podcast years ago. I remember watching a, a documentary on Panorama on the BBC and they were doing a feature on this woman who was a secretary in a bank and in her role, she had access to funds from her boss. And she placed a bet, I think it might have been the Grand National, Scottish Grand National, whatever. But she ended up winning at a horse at 33 to 1. And then she had a fiver on another horse and it won at 50s. And then she bet on another horse and it won at 20s. And immediately she was hooked to the point where she started to steal from the bank. And the bank was taken over she was offered a redundancy package as part of it and she took it and she broke down in tears in front of her fiance because she said now that the bank has been taken over they'll be looking closer at the finances and you know she'd been stealing from them and the bookmaker in question was william hill they were named by the bbc she'd been taken to a vip day out to the derby she'd been given all kinds of treats all kinds of specialist treatment and when she went to them and said i'm holding my hands up and i'm coming to you now and saying that i've stolen from the bank she had no idea she thought it was 20 grand she'd actually stolen well over two hundred thousand pounds she's a secretary working in a bank how could she possibly have access to that kind of funding
1: yeah it's just being it's it has been common practice in the industry. They they don't care as long as you keep punting, they're not going to ask any questions. Um as long as you keep losing, I should say, they're not going to ask any questions. They will they would have incentivized you at every turn to bet more. Um and yeah, that that that's common in the industry.
0: But that makes an absolute farce then of the when the fun stops stop stuff.
1: Well things are starting to turn. You know, I think there's much you know, the fact that the cases like this are being publicised and will help the thing along but politically I think the tide has turned uh, for the bookmakers it was the absolute wild west there for many years and um, they got away with murder and hopefully those days are gone and hopefully the game gets cleaned up um, and look the cases like this they just read shocking don't they they oh, really it's,
0: do they, they, it's just depressing it's depressing to read that it really is um, and, and I hope that we get to learn more about this and that that person gets help because they clearly needs help as well. And uh, hopefully that, that help is given, but um, it'll be fascinating to see what the regulator does with this. Uh, anything else that you want to mention as we come to the end of the show?
1: No, hundred percent. Any TV shows that you're watching? No, <laughs> Too busy. <laughs>
0: to be honest, um, I have been too, but uh, I have a lot of stuff stored up that I want to watch over Christmas. Um, we have a giveaway, Kevin Blake we've okay. gone tell, mad tell me all about it we've gone mad on giveaways so as you know the Leopardstown Christmas Festival is almost upon us and um, it's a fantastic meeting so Leopardstown have been in touch with us uh, they say they like the show and that they know that we'll be talking about the big great ones at Leopardstown and the, uh, the big Paddy Power handicap chase as well and the Paddy Power Tinder chase and all that and um, they would like to do a giveaway with us for final furlong podcast listeners for our loyal listeners so we will have three pairs of flexi tickets so general admission for any one day at christmas three pairs of them to give away but it doesn't stop there because they're the runner-up prizes and we're going to do this competition on thursday the full winner will get a table for 10 in the leopardstown panoramic suite on St. Stephen's Day you will get to see the Racing Post Arkle up close and personal the package will include a full three course lunch a private bar a reserved table race cards obviously you're going to be perched at the top of the grandstand with a cracking view and access to the top level circle lounge which is always a popular place to be this package Kevin Blake is worth 1,600 euro, and it could be yours. Yes, I'm not you, Kev. (laughs) You can't enter, I'm afraid, and neither can Producer D. But I'm pointing at you, loyal Final foreign Podcast listener. If you are going to Leopardstown on St. Stephen's Day, and if you're bringing your friends, if you want to impress your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, the lads, the girls, you need to listen to Thursday's final Farland podcast, because we will be doing the competition then. Three runner-up prizes of flexi-tickets, pairs of flexi-tickets to Leopardstown, so yourself and your friends can choose what days you want to go. But the main prize, St. Stephen's Day, Boxing Day for our UK listeners, €1,600 worth of a package, and it could be yours, courtesy of ourselves and the good folks at Leopardstown. That's class kind of want to fix this <laughs> blue peter style but i won't i'll be i'll be honest and true and um yeah look forward to it make sure you're listening to us on thursday for a weekend preview we've got christmas specials coming up as well uh kevin um we're going to do an irish special a uk special and we're also going to do the final furlong podcast christmas quiz later in the week
1: oi, oi. i can't
0: <laughs> wait i cannot wait uh, I'm pretty sure Vanessa has said that she's already going to be drinking. She's going to have the brandy in some champagne and uh, just be in top form for that. As I embarrass myself along with Vanessa, as my, oh, I just know it's going to be a disaster. Can't wait.
1: <laughs> Ugh.
0: Kevin will be setting the questions on that one and uh, thanks to Adam Webb for uh, coming up with the University Challenge style questions. That's it. Uh, Make sure you tune in on Thursday not only for a weekend preview but also for that fantastic prize and uh, we'll give you details of how you can win it then from Kevin Blake. Good luck. And from me, Emma's Kennedy and all of us in the Final Furlong Podcast studio. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for all the kind words on social media. Particularly, thank you for all the kind words uh, about my work in Dundalk on ATR. I had such fun with Johnny Murta. He is an absolute legend. If you missed it, you can watch it back on the At The Racers app. You can also watch some of the clips on Twitter on the At The Racers Twitter page. Johnny Murta is an absolute gentleman and a legend. And what you see on camera is what you get off camera as well. And I wish him every success as a trainer. He is an absolute gentleman and a just great crack to talk to and uh, to, to talk racing about. What a legend. Hopefully you enjoyed it. But thank you very much for the kind words. It really does mean a lot. We will talk to you on Thursday. Busy week ahead of podcasts coming up for you. They're going to be coming at you from all angles. From the Final Furlong Podcast team. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is sponsored by Unibet. Sign up now using code ATR 30
1: to get your welcome offer. BeGambleAware.org 18.
0: Have you downloaded the free App The Races app yet? With easy to use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android
1: mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.